It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Welcome in to a Thursday edition of the Leach Report. And glad to have you guys on board with us today for our weekly chat with Mike Pratt. Uh, he'll join us here in just a bit to lead off the program. And then in the second half of the show, we'll catch up to Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated, a new UK football commitment to talk about, among other things. Our Wildcat News of the Day, always a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. That's private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. Uh, UK Athletics Director Mitch Barnhart yesterday posted a video message to the BBN uh, about, uh, I guess you would put it under the, the umbrella of uh, the events that are unfolding in our world right now. He said that he apologized for the delay in speaking out, but that he wanted to... Uh, take some time to formulate the things he wanted to talk about after talking with people like his pastor, co-workers, family, and student-athletes. And for when you're in a, a situation like uh, this as an AD or as, as a coach, if you feel comfortable um, speaking uh, kind of off script, uh, I think it's, it's really effective because uh, I think it uh, – comes across as just very sincere, uh, very heartfelt. And so rather than me tell you what uh, Mitch said, and it's about six minutes long, so you can go to UKAthletics.com and and see it. But we'll just play a a little clip about the last minute and a half. We'll work with our UK family to influence them to love each other and get to know each other one person at a time. To throw a pebble in the pond and watch the ripples of influence as we go from a locker room to department, from department to campus, to a community, to the BBN, and beyond our borders. We have influence, and I have faith it is for a greater good. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. As is repeated at many weddings from 1 Corinthians But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly. Love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. I have faith in a loving God in the greater good of men and women to find empathy with each other's journey and walk the staircase in the spirit of love together. In the end, as it was said, in the end, people won't remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. We will walk the staircase together. 
That was uh, Mitch Barnard. And again, if you want to see the whole uh, video, it's about six minutes long. Uh, it's at UKAthletics.com and uh, a lot of uh, other places out there that uh, cover the Cats. I'm sure you can find it. Uh, UK linebacker Chris Oates. Uh, news came yesterday that he has moved into a rehabilitation facility. We still don't know um, what he what the, exactly the, the terms of the battle he's engaged in are. Uh, his family, uh, understandably, uh, wants to keep that to themselves. Um, they have said only that it's not related to the coronavirus. So just keep Chris uh, and his family in your prayers, and um, uh, we certainly wish him well and a speedy recovery. A couple of interesting pieces off of, uh, CBS. Uh, one, they ranked the football schedules for the SEC teams. <laughs> And Kentucky came in at number 10 on that list. The, uh, uh, I think Arkansas was number one. A lot of times it depends on uh, who you draw in the rotation, if you're, you know, who you draw from the other division or who your permanent opponent is. And Or Kentucky, uh, Mississippi State's trending down at the moment uh, from the Dan Mullen era of their uh, is their permanent opponent. And then their road game certainly is an upgrade from having Arkansas at home to Auburn on the road. But uh, if you draw Alabama in the rotation, that really upgrades your schedule, obviously. Uh, the other one was uh, Kyle Boone of CBS ranked the top 16 incoming freshmen in college basketball. Uh, he has B.J. Boston at number six on the list, quoting uh, the story, one of the most lethal scorers in the country. Kate Cunningham's number one. These guys were ranked in the likelihood they'll be stars from day one, according to the story. And B.J. was the only Wildcat on that list of 16. Uh, Tyler Beisner on the U.K. football team, wide receiver, um, and the son of uh, T.J. Beisner, who's a uh, guest on our show uh, from time to time, uh, works for with CoachCal.com, the U.K. network. His uh, He and his wife, Monique's son, Tyler, has started a nonprofit to help kids participate in youth sports. And I saw a post from T.J. about this, uh, I think on Twitter, where he talked about um, that when Tyler was younger, that was really the, the way that he got introduced to the game that he loves. Uh, football was through a, a youth sports camp. And anyway, Tyler's uh, organization is goforitky.org. And I just donated this morning. I would encourage you guys to uh, do the same. It's a great cause and uh, encourage young people to be involved in helping others. Um, so uh, good for him. Uh, glad to see that. Links to the stories that we talk about each day, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We're heading to a break. When we come back, Mike Pratt joins the program. It is the Leach Report Radio Network. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. We go to the KentuckyHepWorks.com hotline. Bring on Mike Pratt to talk a little UK sports with us um, on this Thursday. You get ready to tee him up this morning? I am. My Thursday group is, uh, I'm at the course. We tee off at 945, I think it is. But All right. I'm going to hack it around again. <laughs> Where are we playing today? At Woodhaven in Louisville. Okay. Well, you have a good day for it. Oh, it's going to be a beautiful day. It's going to rain later in the day, but I think we'll get ours in before before it uh, starts to pour. Uh, let's uh, start with 
you know what's going on in in the world it's uh, certainly impacts us all um and i've seen comparisons for 2020 to 1968 in terms of so many impactful things happening in in one year and it occurred to me that you know you lived that out on a on a college campus at the university of kentucky while playing basketball so you had certainly a lot on your plate but just uh any any remembrances of that time or do you see any similarities i I, well there are some yes but for different reasons now than then but I can remember coming out after practice one day, Tom, right before we went to the uh, to the tournament. I forget which, which exactly it was, 68, 69, whatever. But we come uh, out of the practice to the side of the Coliseum. They had a bowling alley back then and the Rotsy Building, if you remember. And uh, the Rotsy Building was set on fire. They had marched and had been marching. So before practice or during our practice, they marched and then uh, – they burned burned the Rossi building down. Had the state police everywhere. It was quite an event. Uh, imagine it, it was. It was uh, you know the Vietnam War was the the main uh, yep. focal point yep. at that time. Uh, I, I saw you uh, tweeted out a response to uh, our buddy Rex Chapman's op-ed in the Herald Leader that uh, he wrote, uh, complimenting him on the the work that he did there. I did as well. I thought that was uh, very heartfelt. It was. And, and, you know, Rex, he's a passionate guy about uh, things that um, are important to him. And some people not quite as passionate as others, but Rex is passionate. He lives some things that a lot of us haven't lived, but he uh, obviously believes in uh, a lot of things that we believe in, too. So I I loved his experiences. I thought that was terrific and the way he presented it. And uh, I give him a tip of the hat for that one. I saw a story uh, Jerry Tipton had in the Herald Leader about, um, and it started out by talking about a conversation between Sean Woods and John Pelfrey that they had recently in the wake of, of all of this. And, um, you know, coaches, you were, you know, uh, a coach uh, earlier in your basketball life. Uh, it, it, those conversations are going to be important as coaches get to uh, get together with their players, right? I think those conversations – have been going on for a while. Depends on on where and how and who, but I think they'll they'll step up now. And I think having these guys become part of this is a grow is a learning lesson. Okay, uh, I mean it's just uh, just a typical learning lesson for many, and for some it's a chance to become part of what is really uh, a very important thing in our society today. So I think all coaches will encourage will encourage uh, these players to participate in some form or fashion and I do too don't you yes uh, I do and I think you know that's that's a uh, you know a different time we're talking about 68 I've heard uh, you know uh, Bill Walton tell the story uh, about uh, conversation with John Wooden when he was playing for him at UCLA and uh, Bill was I think said something to the effect of yeah I think I have the story right maybe he was gonna not gonna be at practice that day because of a of a protest and uh, coach Wooden said you know we've uh, I you know encourage you to to be involved and to be follow things that you're passionate about uh, and we have enjoyed having you on the team Uh <laughs> So I, I, I think it's a, a different time for, for coaches. Uh, they'll have to be, you know, uh, and it should be a little, uh, you know, more, uh, you know, understanding of uh, the 
the passions that uh, their players have, and I think the, the the smart ones will be. Yeah, and that's, but I think for them also, it's got to come from the heart. Okay. Yes. And, true. And that's what good it, point it came from Rex's heart. It can't be something they're just doing for recruiting um, or whatever it may be. It's got to come from the heart. How they feel, and you know, coaches um, obviously have a have the opportunity to be around and and get to know situations that most people in the country don't understand or haven't seen or can't appreciate yet. But these coaches, you know, that's that's their world. So they have to come out, I think, uh, with some kind of support ongoing and then encourage the players to. We're going to get to a quick break. Mike Pratt's with us. Uh, one more quick segment when we come back, and then we'll let him get off to his golf game. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the resumption of the Notre Dame series for Kentucky basketball here in a minute. Mike Pratt has some good memories of that. We'll get to him when we return on the Leach Report Radio Network. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. A few more minutes here with Mike Pratt joining us on the Leach Report. And Kentucky and Appalachian State were playing at Freedom Hall back in December of 2008. Jody Meeks having a nice game, closing in on the 40-point mark. And uh, normally in my prep I do for the games, I would have notes of things like you know the, the most points uh, scored by a Wildcat in Rupp Arena or maybe the most points a Wildcat has scored against Tennessee. And I realized I didn't have – the most points a Kentucky player had scored at Freedom Hall with me in my notes that day. So I'm looking through the media guide and find out that the best performance by a Wildcat at Freedom Hall at that point was the 42 that Mike Pratt hung up on Notre Dame. Now, unfortunately, Jody uh, knocked you down to second place that day, but still 42 against the Irish was a good memory. Yeah, Johnny D really had a ball club. Uh, People, you know, Years wash away the good things. They had three pros to include Austin Carr. Had a terrific team. Bobby Arnson from Cincinnati who played in the ABA and pitched in Major League Baseball. I mean, they had a ball club now. Um, Like I said, three, four pros during the course of our time. It was a terrific rivalry. They were one of the top independents in the country. And, of course, Johnny D left. He didn't leave much, and it took Digger a while to bring it back. But I think, and I texted Cal, I thought that was a great move to play Notre Dame. And uh, I said, boy, the Big Blue Nation is going to appreciate this because uh, many, many people can remember that series. So I'm one who was just really happy to see it come back. And don't tell me Notre Dame's not any good and all this kind of stuff or they don't have any relevancy. They are Notre Dame. There is a history with Kentucky. And Mike Bray's done a good job there. They've been flat the last couple of years, but they'll come back. It's going to be a really interesting series. Yeah, it's over three years, a uh, home and home, which I like that uh, they've yep. get, got that element to it. And then you've got one neutral court game, which they haven't released the site yet. I would think something like Indianapolis or Chicago probably makes sense for uh, for those two. Well, let's play it here in Louisville. <laughs> well, I'd love that. I just don't know that they'll go for that. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, that's above my pay grade, but I sure would like to see it played here. Yeah, I, uh, you could uh, f- you know fix up Freedom Hall, play it uh, play it there, go all the way back to the uh, way back machine. I I don't know that you could get Mike Bray to uh, to agree to that deal. Uh, one of the great stories, uh, your old coach uh, Coach Rupp, uh, and I, I can't remember if I heard if it was uh, him that I heard tell the story on a 
a tape or somebody else, but they're they're playing Notre Dame and Diggers maybe in his first year near the the end of the the series maybe and uh, uh, or no no this was this was further back but anyway Diggers early in his career and they uh, play with the basketball that has an eight offer up. Uh, signature on it. It's an offer up model basketball. Wilson, probably. And uh, Diggers complaining to the referees. Coach Rupp walks up to see what their complaint is about. And Digger says, you know, the referee says, well, he didn't want to play with a ball with your name on it. And Coach Rupp says, well, we can find one with his name on it. We'll play with that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Johnny D used to complain about, I guess, Kentucky got the majority of the seats. Okay. Oh, yeah. And even though Notre Dame had a large contingent of fans here in Louisville. Um, Kentucky got a large portion of the seat, so he used to complain about that. Johnny D did, and uh, but they were really good teams. And that rivalry was, uh, you know, it, people across the country uh, tracked that rivalry because of the, uh, the the quality of those two teams. Uh- Wes Unsell passed this week. I know he played. You played in the ABA. He, uh, I think, uh, the Colonels tried to get him, but uh, he went to the NBA. But did you ever play against him? Never did. Uh, well, no, we. Did. I think we played the Bullets one time in an exhibition. That's game. what I, I thought. I maybe you did. Yeah, yeah, and uh, boy, I watched him play though. And uh, you know, in college, I followed him. I didn't watch him. Well, maybe I did on a Saturday when what if we were playing at night or something. Missouri Valley game of the week. Everybody always had one game on. What a talent. And from all I understand, I've met him before a couple times, but can't say that I really, you know. Um, but I've met him and passed crossed. And, uh, everything I hear about him, he was uh, a gentleman, terrific competitor, and a gentleman. And my dealings with him, which weren't as great as some, but they were, it left me the impression that this is a guy you'd want to play with and the guy you want to live next door to. Yeah, Kevin Grevy uh, just gushed with uh, praise about him yesterday from their days playing together with uh, Washington when they uh, made it to the NBA Finals a couple of years in a row there in the late 70s um, and uh, regarded as one of the, the best high school players ever to, to play uh, here in Kentucky. Um, so um, we certainly send condolences out to his family. Mike, we'll let you get off to the uh, golf course and uh, have a uh, good round today. We'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. Take care. That's Mike Pratt. It's at Mike Pratt 22 on Twitter, and he joins us courtesy of Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. You can check them out at boonesbutchershop.com. We're coming up on the halfway point of this Thursday edition of the Leach Report, and we are going to be joined by Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. When we come back, Kentucky picked up a football recruiting commitment, Joko Willis, a JUCO inside linebacker, since we last chatted with Justin. So uh, we'll touch on that and more. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We'll be right back. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Welcome back into the show for this Thursday. We go back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline and bring on Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. Uh, uh, Justin, I see where uh, Drew Brees has issued an apology for um, statements that uh, he made that he says missed the mark. Um, and there's, it's 
that one of his teammates has tweeted out that uh, he was happy to see that. So they'll they'll have to they'll have to work through that though when they get back together. I would imagine. Yeah, some people. I saw a small pocket of people maybe criticizing his teammate for speaking out publicly, but Bruce Breeze had speaking publicly as well, and so right. I think it's appropriate to you know continue in the the form that the communication was began in. And yeah, I just think this is a time when when people who have had different experiences need to listen a lot more than they need to talk, and 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 really trust what the people that they know and have come to know and are close with are telling them. And, and I think listening is, is important right now. I was uh, saying earlier with, uh, we played a clip from Mitch Barnhart's statement and I said, you know, if you feel comfortable, you're kind of talking uh, more from the heart. Uh, it, it is, um, I think more, most effective that way. And uh, coaches and players, uh, uh, most of them I would imagine are, are comfortable in, in having those conversations. They're going to, and if they're, they're not. It'll uh, it'll hurt those coaches uh, because you have to. Uh, I think in a situation like this, engage your players in in discussions when you get them back here soon, and uh, it it needs to be very genuine. Yeah, you know, I, I think frankly, a lot of Black Americans and Black American athletes, you know, they they want to feel heard, and they feel like. There hasn't been enough empathy. There hasn't been that, okay, you've got your conviction. Now pause and listen to what I'm saying. Maybe I'm not a bad guy. Maybe I'm not threatening your worldview as much as you think. We just have different experiences. They want to feel heard. And, you know, there's a situation with Mike Norvell, a Florida State coach, where he told a reporter from The Athletic um, that he had sent messages back and forth individually and had conversations with everybody on the team. And Marvin Wilson says, wait, no this was a generic message, there's been no back and forth, they sense authenticity. Kids really do sense authenticity. If you're coming and, you're, and, and they can tell, they can sense it, and, and if you're not that, then, you know, you don't, you don't have a chance. That's a tough way for a new head coach to start. True. Uh, this is a, a time as far as, you know, coaches, as uh, we'll, we'll talk about football specifically since that's the, the first sport that will be coming up there around Labor Day, um, that – coaches um have a lot their, their days are full already with uh you know whatever whatever you know uh, all the things football coaches do uh but they're going to have to carve out uh some some time in there for a lot of other things now first related to covid-19 issues and now related to again this kind of engagement with uh, with their players I think, you know, there's always a tendency for people who, who coach sports, for people who write about sports, to think about these people as, you know, jersey numbers and as, as statistics and as, as, you know, something less than the whole person that they are. And I think there's a trend and a healthy trend now from what conversations we're having about the NCAA with compensation, with amateurism, with you know, the, the issue over the Black Lives Matter protest where it's just coming to the front. Everybody's becoming more conscious of it at the same time that, you know, what they do on the field is really just a part of who they are and a more integral understanding of their lives and their value and their worth and their place in society 
Um, it's just it, we're coming to a more evolved understanding of it, and I think that's a healthy thing. Hey, you mentioned uh, NIL, name, image, and likeness, and uh, that's one of the things I had on my list to discuss because I saw some comments from the AD at the University of North Carolina uh, really pushing back against uh, what the NCAA has has come out with on that topic. And uh, in uh, reading his comments, I'm, my thought was, well, what what is your response then? Because it's like he wants to just keep the status quo, and it's like you have legislatures that are passing laws that are opening this door, and if if you don't do something to deal with it, they're going to deal with it for you. That's right. And, you know, this is, <laughs> I guess, in America, we've always dealt with things in a messy way because it's a, it's a system of federalism with many different approaches and many different ideas. And it's going to be a messy process where you have people who are all over the spectrum, totally against NIL, totally for it. You've got media screaming pretty much from one angle saying this is long overdue. You've got the players who are going to increasingly feel entitled to something and and they're going to have to iron out the details and it's not going to be easy and nobody is going to be pleased completely with the final result i think that that's clear um and this guy is i think probably representing a fringe position and he's he's not going to get his way but he's probably going to make it so nobody else totally gets what they want to talk with justin roller from cats illustrated Uh, we'll take a quick break and come back and continue. I um, want to talk about the uh, new commitment for Kentucky football. Um, we'll get to that and more when we return. It's the Leach Report, Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Back to our visit with Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com here on the Leach Report. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the commitment that Kentucky picked up from Joko Willis, a inside linebacker from the junior college ranks. Um, first, just uh, what do you know about his uh, his game, his background? So he's from Georgia, from you know an area where Kentucky has a history of recruiting guys that they've done well with. And- Lagrange, right? Yeah, that's right. And, I, I mean, from what I've heard, this guy was a first-team All-AJC AJC, uh, defensive player as a junior. He was a first-team All-AJC player as a senior, as a receiver. So, I mean, he's just a, a phenomenal athlete. You watch him as a receiver from high school one year ago, running away from talented defensive backs. You know, he, he's going to be one of the more athletic players that Kentucky has on defense the day he steps on campus. And he's got three years to play three. Um and they've needed linebackers. You know, you look ahead two years from now, Jamin Davis, DeAndre Square, we're all praying for Chris Oates. Um, all of those guys are going to be gone after the 21 season. So this is he's really a perfect guy in terms of his athleticism, his versatility, and he's got three years. He will he could be a starter, you know, his second year at Kentucky. Yeah, that's that was the uh, really encouraging thing that uh, I saw in reading about him is that uh, if you can get a JUCO guy where they have three years, because I always uh, kind of look at a at a player coming in from the JUCO ranks and think anything that you get in year one is is a bonus. It usually they really uh, come on strong in the second year. So if you get a second and a third year, it's a huge plus. Those two year JUCO guys complicate your recruiting. It makes it harder to recruit high school guys. And, you know, the first year is a transition. Not everybody is going to be as successful right off the bat as Brandon Eccles or Quandre Mosley, who they have. They've done a great job with those guys. But, 
you like the Phil Hoskins plan where anything is gravy that first year and then you've got two years and, and he's going to come in more physically mature. And I can't, I can't underscore enough. He's a very athletic talent kid. Arkansas and Mississippi State were really, really upset that he picked Kentucky as early as he did. Chat with Justin Rowland from catsillustrated.com, and one of the things they do at uh, his site is roundtable discussions with their uh, writers about topics, and uh, the latest one that's up is about Dante Allen and what should be expected of him in his first season on the court. It'll be his second season, obviously, with the program, but his first season playing. So what was the consensus? Well, I let David Sis, Jeff Drummond, and Travis Graff take this one because I don't have a strong opinion. I don't really know, know what to think, but I think that was kind of their consensus as well. He's one of the biggest mysteries on the team. And, and you know, the fact that he, he's probably a little bit more mature, understanding what Calipari wants, how to take to the coaching, um, but he hasn't been doing it like a second-year player would. Um, we expect him to be a pretty gifted scorer whenever he becomes a regular player. But yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great mystery. You know, they're going to have a lot of players this year, and there's no guarantee that the playing time is going to be there. He's going to have to earn it. But uh, somebody from whose pedigree um, he can fill it up from different places on the court, he's definitely intriguing. Yeah, I know. I watched him practice some towards the end of the season when he was uh, starting to to get back uh, close to fully healthy, and uh, you know, he I didn't see him in in scrimmages where you could you know tell how effective he would be taking it to the basket or defending but he can flat fill it up boy he's got uh, just in drills and things quick release nice uh, nice looking shot and um, strokes it with a lot of confidence so uh, I, I always think you can find a, a you know find some time for a guy that can do that yeah yeah I feel like we're saying that about somebody every year if he can just come down and knock down some shots but one thing Calipari, I think, has proven by now is you got to you got to be able to do more than that. Like, oh, yeah. you're not going to play just because you can shoot. You got to defend. You got to, and sort of what Johnny Juzang had proved that he was getting better at over the season. Um, that's the track that Allen's going to have to take. He's going to have to gain his trust in terms of taking charges, staying in front of people, rebounding, making the hustle plays, the fifty-fifty plays. That's going to determine his playing time. You know, the whatever role you envisioned for Johnny. Had he come back for a second season, the fact that he's not here, um, you know that 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 opportunity is there for Dante to at, at minimum claim where, where those minutes would have been. Yeah, that opens it up a little bit more. And since he's a little bit older and he knows what Cal wants, maybe he's more of a voice, more of a vocal presence on the court. And for a team that loses probably what ninety five percent of its production from last year, that that could be helpful. Uh, Justin, I saw this was probably a couple of weeks ago. I was looking at your glance at your Twitter timeline before the show each week, just to and to see things that uh, might be points we can discuss. And one was uh, somebody engaged you in a little discussion about I think I think it was maybe a college football venue uh, that you hadn't been to that you want to go to games. So I'll just add uh, basketball as well. What are places uh, as a football fan, college football fan, college basketball fan that uh, you would like to see uh, where you'd like to watch a game that you haven't had the chance to yet? I've been to a lot of football stadiums. I've been pretty much everywhere in the SEC. I've I've wanted to go to the Coliseum, and I have not been to a Notre Dame game. I've seen Notre Dame play in two or three bowl games before, but I have not been to South Bend, and I I would love to go there. That would would definitely be on the bucket list. 
Yeah, Notre Dame would be there for me too um, because uh, just all the history. And I've tried to to get in the stadium uh, when Kentucky has played up there a couple times in the past, and uh, I think I'm going to make more of a concerted effort to do that when they go back up there as part of this uh, series with the Irish now that is in place with the basketball program just to see it. But I would love to go to a game there. I'd love to go to a game at Michigan um, at the Big House. Um, and um, those are two probably at the top of my list. I see a lot of the great you know venues of the South through covering Kentucky. As far as basketball, um, uh, one I want to that's kind of high on my list at the moment is the Palestra. Um, I've uh, I've never been to a game there, and uh, I, I don't know that Kentucky's got any any way that they'll be playing there anytime soon. So uh, one of these years when Kentucky's maybe up that way, I'll uh, I'll get that. Uh, checked off the list. Funny, there was a Duke fan on Twitter that I go back and forth with sometimes who asked me about the basketball venue question maybe two weeks ago, and I said the Palestra, and I said Fog. I haven't been to Fog. I know you've been to Fog, but mm-hmm. yeah, the Palestra and Fog would be two on the bucket list for me. Yeah, I uh, I was I like going to a lot of those you know venues that uh, a lot of histories happened in. Pauley Pavilion was nothing particularly special as an as an arena. Fog really uh, cool just uh, they have a little uh, hall of fame section out in the concourse uh, where i saw some gail sayers memorabilia my first favorite player but uh, paulie was nothing special as an arena but just you know a lot of histories uh, played out there with coach wooden's team so that was uh, a fun trip uh, hinkle Fieldhouse was one uh, several years ago that i made it a point to go to uh, kentucky had an off day on a saturday so a friend and i uh, drove up to see a, a butler game on a saturday afternoon just to see uh, and get there about an hour early walked around the concourse uh, i love those uh, old arenas yeah, and the one that, that I didn't mention for football would probably would probably be out at Nebraska. You know, you've just been oh, yeah. hearing so much about really more than more than the stadium is the fans, and maybe they're not as nice after the last two decades as I heard growing <laughs> growing up. But uh, I think that would be a fun trip as well. Uh, well back to uh, UK sports. Uh, what are you uh, hearing, if anything, about uh, how? players will be coming back into the, the program this month? Well, I heard from some, some um, people who would know that, you know, they're arriving now and they're going through a process of um, having health information submitted and also testing taking place and that most of the freshmen should be back by June 15th, according to a number of them. Um, or be in, even if they didn't enroll early. And, and for whatever reason, some might be a few days late, but I've heard the whole team should be assembled by June 20th. But it's going to be a pretty arduous and, and diligent process of checking health information, finding out who might be at a heightened risk, and also testing and hopefully regular testing. There's, I mean, there's, it's going to be messy. You know, Some guys, have, some athletes at different places have already shown up testing positive. And, you know, how do you keep that from spreading uh, in a team setting with close quarters to, to people who might be at heightened risk factors, it's just going to be difficult, but it's never going to be easy. So they're going to have to navigate that, and hopefully you've got competent people at each institution overseeing that process. What's really going to be interesting, I think, is uh, if somebody uh, tests positive once we get into the season, um, yeah. because you're talking about a couple of weeks of uh, a guy being out of the mix. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can imagine a road trip. Let's say somebody, a team goes down to Auburn and they're all staying at a hotel and somebody tests positive and they've been in the hotel with, you know, 50, 60 other guys. I mean, it's, it's going to be a messy situation and I'll be interested to see how 
how they handle it. You just hope that we avert the, the worst possible outcome. Yes, we'll uh, certainly keep our fingers crossed that uh, that, that does happen. Um, and, um, you know, I think... Um, I think just was it Justin Rogers uh, talked about being back on the on the fifteenth. I would think the the early the guys that are newcomers into your program, the uh, the earlier they can get them back in the process, uh, the better uh, because they've got to kind of learn learn the uh, the ways of the uh, the program and uh, the veteran guys already know that routine. I think I think the way that this is set up. I mean, it's it's not about what's best for Kentucky. It's about what's best for student athletes everywhere. And it should be. But, the fact that Kentucky's staff is, is so – there's been so much continuity and the fact that they're returning such an experienced, veteran-laden team, they're set up to weather this better than a lot of teams out there. And I think that's, that's a positive. Yeah, I think that uh, makes a lot of sense. Justin, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Tom. Justin Rowland, you can read him at catsillustrated.com, at Roland Rivals on Twitter. We'll wrap up this edition of the Leach Report in just a moment. We're off to another SEC football coaching legend this week. Johnny Majors, the longtime coach at Tennessee, um, has uh, passed. Uh, John Clay in his sidelines blog today uh, reminisces about uh, Majors and a game at Kentucky on November 21st, 1981. I was not yet covering the Cats, but I uh, was there with uh, my dad watching the game. Man, was it cold, and it was Coach Kersey's last game, and he knew he was about to be fired as the Kentucky coach, and Johnny Majors was one of his best friends. And Kaywood Ledford used to always tell this story about uh, Kentucky had only won two games all season, and uh, yet Coach Kersey uh, walks out to uh, – midfield for his pregame chat with the opposing coach and he just walks out there says one thing to his friend johnny majors today we're gonna beat your butt except he used a stronger word and his team went out 121 to 10 that day uh johnny majors also the runner-up to kentucky native paul horning in the 1956 heisman trophy voting and Frank Anselm, as expected, chose Syracuse. Seven Daniels had that one pegged right. And Mike Miller, who's been the top assistant to Penny Hardaway down at Memphis, has left the Tigers program. A lot of folks in the college basketball game surprised about that one. That'll do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow to wrap up this week's Leach Report shows. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time right here on...